and we're off to the races. Okay. I would like to um, kick things off on this episode by playing the that clip of Dick Durbin. Excellent. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Give me my man Dick. DJ Dick. Put let's, that fucking beat down. Let's start the last episode of the year off by getting Dick down. They came up with a good <laughs> bill, one I was proud to support. This annual legislation has been signed into law for six consecutive decades. When the Senate fails to do anything, they always do the National Defense Authorization Bill. It shows that Congress can come together, at least on this. I wonder why. Yeah, I wonder why that is. Supporting our men and women in uniform and keeping our country safe. This year, the bill authorizes $740.5 billion in defense spending. It provides another 3% well-deserved pay raise for our troops. It also recognizes that many in the armed forces are on the front lines here at home as well, helping fight the ongoing COVID-19 epidemic, providing our troops with necessary benefits and protections, including a 10% increase in hazardous duty pay. The bill also includes a number of provisions that I authored and supported, including language expressing strong support for the Baltic states and Ukraine, especially in the face of continued unforgivable <laughs> Russian aggression. Another part of the anti-racism it project. It requires the renaming of <laughs> military bases in the United States, which were once named in honor of Confederate generals, those who served in the Confederacy in an attempt to secede from the Union and to defend the institution of slavery have been enshrined in the names of these bases for many, many years. This effort to rename them is long, long overdue. It tries to correct and recognize the mistakes of our past and really address the sensitive racial inequities at the Pentagon when it comes to this decision-making. Okay, there you go. Uh, so at that point, the, uh, the talent agent turns to the senator and says, uh, what do you call your act? And he says, the Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, Dick Durbin, he is one of Illinois' senators. He was first elected to Congress in 1983, and wouldn't you know it, this is the first bill he's ever, this is the first time he's ever made an issue as far as legislation about renaming Confederate bases. So this has been a lifelong passion for him. Uh, this is not just like, uh, oh, I've, uh, I decided this is the year that I won't be racist anymore. But in furthering his commitment to anti-racism, uh, Durbin wants uh, the Senate to come together, forget about the $2,000 checks, to give more money to Azov Battalion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, no more, uh, no more Confederate names on our bases. But yes, to uh, members of the Durlwanger Brigade on the names of the Ukrainian militias we fought. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So that was that was Dick Durbin explaining um, why he will be rejecting uh, Bernie, fellow Senator Bernie Sanders' efforts to hold up the vote on the National Defense Authorization Act until they get fucking pay, give us our money, give us our two thousand dollars, which apparently now Donald Trump is is saying that uh, yeah, that's that's what we should get, and he's demanding that everyone get two thousand dollars. And what I think is funny about this is that. So for, for it, 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 while they were negotiating this for fucking months with McConnell and the Republicans, like they, they were they winnowed it down to six hundred dollars. Then it gets to Trump's desk and all of a sudden he says, no, uh, two thousand dollars. I'm sending it back. So he called their bluff. And now the Democrats are calling his bluff, apparently, by saying, OK, we'll we'll go for the two thousand dollars. But strangely, as soon as that becomes like a reality, like a thing that could actually happen that like, hey, 
guess what? Both sides seem to agree on this. Like, okay, what's what's holding it up? As soon as that becomes the case, economists, politicians, and pundits on both the Democratic and Republican side all of a sudden just become very concerned about the idea that we could be spending money, uh, giving money to people who don't actually need it. As they, they, just as soon as that becomes a reality, they're like, oh, the one thing the U.S. government absolutely must not and cannot do is accidentally give money to people who are already wealthy. No, you give, the, you give wealthy people money on purpose. That, that's what the government's there for. Giving it to them accidentally is moral hazard at home. Yeah, well, I mean, like, Larry, Larry Summers, God, God bless him, gave the game away because this thing was like, all right, well, if it's 2000, like, why not? Why not 10,000? Why not 20,000? Which is like on its face, idiotic, but it speaks to a larger reason, you know, why Democrats would be against this. It's because if the government could do this, if the government could give you $2,000 when you desperately, desperately need it, when uh, unemployment, state unemployment systems are so beleaguered that people aren't getting their payouts, which is, you know, a great reason in and of itself for this. Um, then people start wondering, all right, well, what aren't they doing? What other stuff are they not doing? What other problems are they not fixing? It's one thing to not do anything and then people expect nothing, but to do something then go back to doing nothing, that raises a lot of problems for Democrats. And uh, could someone also, could someone explain to me what Section 230 is? I keep reading about it. What, what, what does that Section refer to? Section 230 means that... Uh, Social media companies would be liable for things people say on uh, on their platforms, which, funnily enough, this was a uh, this is a throwback. Everything we're just living in recyclables uh, during Gamergate. This was like a thing woke people would say sometimes. They're like, we need to take away the liability shields of corporations. So like they'll take they'll ban people more, I guess. But now yeah. it's a conservative issue. Well, so. that's the thing is that because they all think I'm being shadow banned or something when the only reason that, you know, that they're left on there is because they, the platforms don't have to worry about getting sued. I mean, like you could if I could if I was Bette Midler, I'd sue Twitter for letting them have the president call me a washed up psycho. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he because he has a dog brain and his supporters have dog brains. They don't know that Tuxedo 230 is like why they're allowed on the Internet. And so apparently McConnell is trying to put that is a poison pill in there to prevent Democrats from voting for it, to which I say, who gives a shit? Just go for it. It's so like that sort of liability is so deeply entrenched into like the existing model of the internet and in fact is enshrined in like the revised nafta that they fucking that he fucking was supposedly negotiated earlier in this presidency that it's not going anywhere you can find the sign the bill and if it did good get rid of the internet it's terrible it's so awful <laughs> free us from this fucking prison and then we could dry our tears with our two thousand dollars well i mean um, I, wrote, I wrote about this in in a catalyst article about like online activism and it's like the internet actually is really 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 unique in that if i mean in terms of media like all the law around it is apparently based on like radio law it doesn't make any sense at all um and so at, at all the sort of like liberal attempts to regulate the internet do treat it as a war of poster on poster rather than poster against tech company so it's like this weird thing where it's like okay, there's clearly like, you know, people dox people, do all kinds of violative things to it. But the only recourse you possibly have is to like track down whatever 15-year-old is being a shit online 
rather than, I mean, like I'm all for like shifting, uh, shifting it towards the, the fucking companies, but that's just never going to happen. Well, they would just stop. They would just shut because they couldn't, they can't, because everyone's on there libeling each other all day long. You yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, it's just if, if I could take, you know, a principled stand on this issue. I mean, like the, the one thing I am truly against and I think all people should join me in this is uh, private individuals bringing civil action uh, because another private individual supposedly <laughs> libeled them in a tweet. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, in theory, it's like, yeah, I would much rather if. If someone says something shitty about you in a newspaper, like I would much rather the editors or a lie about a, a newspaper, I'd much rather the the editors, like uh, you know, or that actual institution get uh, sued rather than the person who said it, who's just like a private citizen. But it's like the behemoth that is like internet tech companies. Like, there's nothing. Like, no, that's like a non-starter at this point. There's no. We, we don't even. They don't even pay taxes. They're not going to be subject to fucking civil suits. Well, I mean, and the only reason that this is being uh, bandied about is because, you know, like Mitch McConnell is going to find a way to just be like, oh, like the only way we're going to vote on the two thousand dollars that up until like five minutes ago, we had all agreed that we didn't want and wasn't necessary. But now that the president says so, we have to pretend that that's a thing that can happen now is by loading it up with all these different like uh, all, all these little items that he knows that Democrats can't vote for. Yeah, and it'll like be, I said, it's just, it just yeah, but like like I said, it's just back to the like the Durbin clip. It's just like it's just all this kayfabe where it just seems to be like like all the time they just lament like you know why can't both of the parties come together and help the people when they need it, and then like right here in front of us we have a situation where like on the surface everyone is saying that they all want the two thousand dollars now. Do you think it's going to happen? Mm-hmm. No, this, no, is also, this is also why like forcing a vote on Medicare for all would be just a huge waste of time and energy at this point. Like, well, they just they get the, the there are so many places that you can displace responsibility. Like uh, uh, everybody can say they're for it, including Biden and Trump. Uh, but Mitch McConnell says no, and and there's no he he doesn't answer to anybody, and everybody gets to say. I'd been for it, except for McConnell. But the reason that they could say they're for it is because McConnell is there making sure it won't happen. Exactly. exactly. And like as far as as far as McConnell goes, I mean, like, obviously, like he his name is now synonymous with why uh, nothing can get done or why we can't have anything good. But go back to that clip I played at the beginning of the fucking episode. That's Dick Durbin. Mm-hmm. That's Dick Durbin stopping this from happening. And it's just like, uh, like, oh, but, 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 but McConnell, it's, it's McConnell who's stopping this. Like, well, it's him. It's, it's his fault. And it's just like, no, I mean, they're all on the same side. They're all on the same side. It's like Paul Krugman, Tom Friedman. Like, they've all come out in, like, just this past week to just be like, mm, well, I know, I know the politics of this makes sense, but economically, giving people who don't need the mon- all this money, uh, you know, checks during this time when we should, we should really be helping only the poorest, most destitute, most, you know, needy people at this time now. And then I'm not sure how comfortable I am with just giving everyone $2,000 checks. It's like, motherfucker, you're still cashing your Social Security check. And if you're Tom Friedman, you're still fucking living off your billionaire wife's fucking family's money. So just shut the fuck up. And this is also why, like, like Obama was so devastating to their credibility because they need Republicans as like plausible deniability about their ability to be able to do anything to accomplish the things they ostensibly stand for. So you had eight years of like a Democratic president. They had like a supermajority for a few of them. Nothing got done, and they're like, "Oh shit, uh, we had 
that was that was really bad. Like people are people's lives got worse under our watch. I mean, like this is the stuff that gets you into conspiratorial thinking. Like they, it, it's better for them to be um, like insti- the institutional underdogs because then they don't have to do anything. And I think at this point, it's just their policy. And it's just their plan is to just be like, just be, just, just succeed enough so that you can point to the Republicans and say that they're the reason that we can't get anything done. And, you know, yeah, like it's, uh, you know, like, as we said, both Biden and Trump now have said that yes to the $2,000 checks. But like that's everybody knows it's not going to happen no matter who's fucking president Um, because they don't want it. They don't. They're against that. They're they're opposed to that uh, for ideological reasons. And, you know, I mean, like and also and like and again, it's this idea that like, oh, if we could just if we could just prove that they're lying about this, that like that would make some sort of difference. And that sort of gets back to my point about the Medicare for all vote where it's just like. I'm I'm agnostic on it. Like if they want it, if 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 they force it to happen, like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna gainsay anyone who who works for that. It's just like I don't think that proving the hypocrisy of Democratic elected representatives is the silver bullet that or like the organizing principle that people think, seem to think it, it could be. It might be, but like I I just think like it just it, my my original point about that whole thing was that like we know what Democratic voters think about this, and the answer is they don't care that the people they vote for don't actually support the things that they say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, like Kamala Harris said that Joe Biden was a racist rapist at the debates. (laughs) And now look at her. It it doesn't matter. Like, you can't trap these people into anything because their voters are just going to vote for them no matter what. Yeah. You just have to get rid of them one way or the other. They just like they literally don't. I mean, and there have been like moments like public moments where, you know, citizens or town halls or whatever have approached. Democrats and they think they have like a gotcha moment with it's like you supported this and now you support that and they're like what you gonna do about it like literally <laughs> the response is is, is the, it, it's never devastating and I and I do think that there's sort of a risk involved in going for that kind of politics and pursuing it because one we do actually have limited energy people have limited attention spans uh, using all of their energy, all of our energy and attention spans on these symbolic things, like I think it's it's it would, could be the worst thing in the world to just watch a a political a bit of political theater that is not going to get us anything because it's as touching as the end of the Jamaican bobsled team or something. <laughs> like that stuff seems like very like yeah, but but we kept going and it's like yeah. well, but to normal people who really need political solutions. That's not like heartwarming or beautiful or whatever. It's just like, fuck. Now we have to oh, yeah, carry yeah, the yeah, bobsled? Yeah, it's a common refrain. It's a common refrain with uh, people who worked in both the 2016 and 2020 Bernie campaign. This sort of like, um, well, look look all the forces arrayed against us. and Look how far we got. Pretty amazing, huh? I have a feeling this would be another thing. Look at all the people who are against Medicare for all and we got, you know, 20 votes. And okay. who give it, who fucking gives a shit? Well, I mean, they may get more than 20 votes because I think that, I mean, like a, another pitfall to this, in my opinion, is that it would give a hell of a lot of Democrats a lot of, it would cover to vote yes for it, knowing full well that it'll never pass. I mean, the Democrats do this all the time. Yes, yes. And, you know, like, and when I say this, like, I'm not, you know, last time I I, I waded into this uh, debate, and I suppose we ended up there again, I'm not, like the people who, who want this floor vote to happen or want to force this out ha- floor vote, like, I don't think that they're dupes or stupid or like, you know, uh, uh, chills for the Democratic no, Party. No, I, I, I disagree. Like I disagree with them on strategy. 
Yeah, I like it's just with them I, on the I, way the, the party functions. It's not. It's yeah. not like a oh you're exactly. stupid. You're the, like it's just like right, no, right, I, right. I, I don't think that would work. I respect. Uh, I respect the idea behind it, but if anything, I would say that you are not cynical enough. About yeah, I, how these people function. Yeah, I mean, that, that, I, that, 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 that's why I, I've laid out my, like, you know, mild skepticism to the point of being agnostic on this is that I am, far, I'm just, I feel like I'm a lot more pessimistic about, the, you know, the 20, 2020 primary and what, you know, I learned from that or what we were shown about what the Democratic Party is and more crucially, who the people who vote for the Democratic Party are and how they think and behave. Yeah, I do have to say, I am sympathetic to the uh, to one of the central ideas behind this which is you know how are how are you going you know whether you're AOC or Ilhan Omar or Rashida Tlaib like all these people who are you know far better than uh people you can compare them to on the democratic side of things how can you say everything you say and like just no problem reelect Pelosi as re- leader I'm very sympathetic to that point. Yeah. And I think that's something that people purposely glossed over and purposely ignored. And it's like, you know, I mean, yeah, I guess there there really is no one waiting in the wings, but it's something I would have liked to have seen. A serious challenge to Pelosi's leadership. I mean, after this perform after this performance in the House, if you're if that's still your thing that you want to be a House Democrat, don't you kinda don't you go, Well, we almost fucking we almost blew this one. We almost blew. We mm-hmm. almost lost our majority in the house. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time for someone else. Mm-hmm. I think like the position that they're in, um, and I'm, I'm. This is not a moral. I don't think it makes them good people or bad people or smart or dumb or anything. Is that they're like, well, look, how am I going to stay in power? How am I going to get reelected? How am I not going to be facing internal opposition from my own party to the point where it would prevent me from getting elected again? Which we all know the Democrat, the Democratic Party will totally eat its own left wing. And I think their thinking is like, well, if I do this, then I might not get elected next year. And how will I, how will we get anything done if I don't get elected this year or next election? And it's like, that's obviously like a trap because you spend the rest of your life uh, or the rest of your career anyway, trying to be just cautious enough to uh, stay, you know, in, in the sort of uh, in the Democratic Party clubhouse and then thinking, well, one of these days we're going to reach, I don't know, maximum capacity or I'm going to be able to be like this dynamo or this fucking maverick and, and do this stuff. And it's like, no, you don't understand the reason you're allowed to stay. The reason they tolerate you is because they know you never will rock the boat. It's just, it's, I don't know. It's honestly a trap. And it's like why I would never run for office because the things that I would have to do to get there would preclude me doing the things that I would want to do if I were in office. It's the most catch 22 thing. Yeah. I mean, it just, it, it just for me, like it comes down to uh, the fact that as soon as it was a two-person race in the Democratic primary between the one guy who honestly and consistently and passionately had advocated for Medicare for All his entire career and one guy who, among the people running for uh, the president on the Democratic side, was the only one who was honest enough to say, I don't support Medicare for All at all and have been against it my entire career and will continue to do so. As soon as it came down to that choice, it wasn't close. 
it wasn't close. And the, and the voters went for the guy who clearly said that he didn't support Medicare for all. And I, I you know, I don't know what you do about that. But like, that's, I, I think, what we're left with. And I would like to uh, spend this episode doing a little bit of a, uh, a year in review because, uh, you know, it's it's been a doozy, and uh, I think uh, you know. Some might been pro- say a hell year. Yeah, we've all been processing it in various ways, but there are two other uh, recent uh, news stories that I do want to uh, mention on the show. Uh, the first one was that um, that bombing in Nashville that happened on Christmas <laughs> Day, where a guy blew himself up in an RV in front of a fucking Verizon building, or there was it AT and T or something. AT&T. Uh, and T. Uh, NSA uh, data collection port, uh, <laughs> deep state. Uh, Steep, some sort of deep state uh, teleportation device, something. One of those well, big, I, one of those big windows with no, one of those yeah, big yeah. buildings with no windows that you often see uh, in downtown uh, places that no one knows who what goes on in there. One of those places. So, I yeah, mean, like, it could literally just be a Verizon building, and it's already evil enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we don't really know much about why he did this. I mean, maybe he's like a 5G crank or he seems like some sort of uh, he seems like a like a crank. But uh, uh, one element to this story is that uh, as he was driving the RV to downtown Nashville, he was playing over the speakers of the RV. Uh, Petula Clark's uh, hit single downtown. Downtown. Oh, my when God. You're alone and life, life is, making is making you lonely. lonely. You can always, always go. go. Ugh. Dun, dun. <laughs> just um, that's a, an interesting rub to this. And then, I, and then there was another news story today about how a year ago his girlfriend called the cops and said, "My boyfriend is crazy and making a bomb." And they showed up at his house, which is covered in security cameras and like fucking no trespassing signs. Knocked on the door and asked, "Hey, anyone in there making a bomb?" And he yelled, "No!" And they went home and then apparently arrested his girlfriend on like a wellness check and like institutionalized her for being crazy. Um, yeah, you know, regular all right, shit. Me- me- message wow. to the girlfriend: Let people enjoy things. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a '90s movie. That's one of my favorite genres of movie that I want to come back. The um, you know, no one believes me movie, like the Arlington Road, Cradle, basically. Or, yeah, so, or so, Good so, Son. So I married an RV bomber. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like I mean, uh, just a, an odd story. I mean, if, if you if you want to put on if you want to open up your your third eye, um, I don't know how useful it is in this case. But if you want to open up your third eye, the 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 bio and profile of the guy who just blew himself up um, would seem to scream uh, the perfect patsy. But you know, there's a lot of people who just are that way on their own without any. Yeah, you know, there are. State, state there's a lot of people. Necessary. There's a lot of people like that, and you know, yes, any one of them could pop off at any minute, and they are, and they do. But at the same time, if you were some sort of faction of our demonic deep state, and you needed a patsy, it sure as shit wouldn't be hard to find one. Yeah, you have access around. to essentially everybody's data, everybody's social media profile, their bank account. Everything about them. If you need to blow up a building in Nashville, you can put a couple of keystrokes in and you'll have a guy that you can send a black bag team uh, in 24 hours notice to stick into your fucking uh, explosive RB. They only they 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 say he blew himself up because they found some fucking DNA in a glove. It's like DoorDash <laughs> for fucking uh, Pats and Patsies and Cranks. You could just pick anybody you need. I'm sure the deep state, it's just like three days after Q was launched, uh, like 
had like 10 different like Q, uh, you know, subreddits up and running so that they're like, well, we got to do, you know, that's their ROTC recruiting yeah. station. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like a trout farm. <laughs> Amber, yeah, like they, they they have the bomber's hand and they put it in like a fucking like a a chamber and the lasers start going and then it's Dallas Lulu multipass <laughs> and it's some guy with a beard wearing like a band aid dress. Oh yeah, uh, I imagine that there's an office at Langley that you go into like an old school like matchmaker office where you're kind of like I'm thinking of a guy who's maybe like. Mid sixties, but still active, yeah. an athletic build, <laughs> kind of. Um, I, if he has good hair, I would like you know somebody who's still got all his hair, and um, yeah, really into five G. Guy yeah. who knows his way around fertilizer. <laughs> and I mean, I guess like just the, the the other the other angle to this story that I see people uh, chirping about is like you know sort of similar to those guys in Michigan who wanted to kidnap <laughs> the, the governor and take her fishing or something. They wanted to take her cow tipping. That was their yeah. terrorism. Um, but yeah, like there, there, there is this kind of like a, a full-throated call to like demand that the media refer to the, this this bomber himself and the act as as terrorism or white supremacist terrorism, which I suppose is you know on, on the dictionary definition not wrong. But it, it just it, he also like this guy also didn't kill anyone. By yeah. the way, like this yeah. is this is like just a like if the government if the government story is true which like i'm not quite ready to buy that okay so it's just like a crank who's like hey everyone uh get out of here i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna go ham on myself downtown yeah 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 he, 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 like, he, like, yeah, he just like warned everyone then killed himself in a, like a very but that makes him way. a suicide bomber yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. when you've yeah, got worries just, just all the noise and hurry seems to help i know downtown <laughs> not just not just like a suicide attention seeker a yeah suicide like mentally ill guy i mean yeah. but no i mean i, I what, what is your like what happens if people call this terrorism do you like uh they just molest a wider variety of kids in tsa yeah that's that the idea yeah. Yeah. That, that's 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 the that's the anti-racism of the biden administration like as things get worse as the hunger chancellorship deepens as the two thousand dollars does not come and, and things get worse and worse for people uh we're not going to stop brutalizing minorities we're just going to uh we're going to make the brutalization of white people uh equalizing and then that that will be the the that that will Problem be our solved. triumph that that will yeah. be the mountaintop that J, uh, M, MLK yeah. was looking for. Highly, yeah, highly learning disabled nineteen-year-olds uh, of both Arab, uh, white, black, any any descent. FBI agents will go up to them with uh, like Thomas the Tank Engine toys and be like, <laughs> "Hey, do you want to like kill the president?" And they'll be like, "Yeah," and then they'll go to prison forever. And then you know. Racism's over. People don't realize that's in the book, the anti-racist baby, yeah. <laughs> and and that and yeah, that NSA panopticon of surveillance. Well, that's that's doing anti-racism because it's it's keeping uh, white people from doing uh, racist terrorism. That's right. And look, I mean, like, yeah, and, and and you know, as shit gets worse and worse and worse, and of course, as Biden, you know, becomes president, there's going to be a large pool out there of i don't know uh mentally unstable uh people with guns and some access to uh explosives who you may the try to express themselves saturated. uh yeah in 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 the future in these kind of sporadic unorganized and potentially deadly ways which is you know not a good thing but i think you know if you do believe that this is terrorism and terrorism should be fought i think 
you know, thinking back to 9-11, the granddaddy of them all, I mean, the safest thing we could have done as a society was just pretend it didn't happen and, like, not yeah. talk about it on TV that's or anything. That's the healthiest like, thing. Like, I saw yeah. people saying, why is it Trump talking about this? Like, what do you want <laughs> Trump <laughs> to say about this? Also, first of uh, all, he's locked in the bathroom right now. Like, what, yeah. when, when has our national conversation about anything made anything better? Yeah. Well, but it, well, also, when has it actually been a national conversation rather than like a kind of like like a weird volley of talking points by like uh, mouthpieces of the elites? It's not like they actually I mean, again, going back to the device, the number of like focus groups they needed to sell the Iraq war to people. That is what a national conversation yeah. is. It's to try and figure out a, a marketing loophole to trick people into thinking that something that a, that a, a, a more authoritarian state, that a, a more imperialist state is actually necessary and not just not just justified, but absolutely essential to our survival. That's what a national conversation is. Yeah, in Amber, an authentic national conversation on this issue would have to include the I don't know fairly large proportion of people in this country who when it comes to issues of 5g cell towers um thinks that they you know should be blown up by an rv yeah. uh, suicide bomb <laughs> yeah, yeah hey, let's get them in there let's let's get uh, let's get the I conversation, would love to have going. conversation with those people yeah where's their voice i mean if 5g actually is giving people cancer like we're not going to find out for 30 years oh yeah 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 and, and nobody's like, getting any money for it either yeah, yeah. i don't know i uh, also thought like uh the, this is a tangent, but I, I I went I started like bursting through all of the John Steinbeck novellas because uh, they're short, digestible, and very beautiful. And I realized like there was a whole movement for like a you know kind of political and social movement for like what do we do with people who just aren't very good at stuff Get like maybe. No, yeah, crazy, baby. I mean, that's the most famous one, but there's he has like a, a a character in like a ton of his books that is just like, I don't know, he's he's big and strong, but doesn't know how big and strong he is, or uh, or he you know panics at loud noises and wrecks things, or or he has a loose concept of reality, or you know whatever. People who just literally can't integrate into society and. It's like those people are going to be there even without like insane like uh, wealth inequality and and an extremely like violent and desperate like moment in American history. So like, I don't know. It's just very sad. We've gotten so far away from that that it's like people are like, oh, we need to call this person a terrorist. It's like you guys, you know, there's always going to be screwed up people. Amber, we uh, we do have a program for that right now, and it is called podcasting. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, I'm doing my part. All right. Well, the, 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 the last uh, the last uh, sort of like a semi recent piece of uh, news that I want to bring up um, uh, does relate to uh, to Donald Trump, and it's uh, a thing he's done as president that I think, um, in light of recent events, or you know, just like the whole Trump presidency and everything we've talked about and made fun of, uh, just something he's done recently that I think fairly could be described as both evil fascist and like uniquely terrible to him specifically as president and i'm referring to the spate of fucking mass murdering psycho war criminals that he's just pardoned as president including the blackwater guys who did that massacre in that uh in baghdad 
way back yeah. in like I, I forget what year it is, but they just like they just gunned down like thirty people, men, women, and children. Yeah, in, one in of one of the worst Baghdad. One of the worst American war crimes, maybe singular American war crimes of our lives, maybe the worst. Uh, that we know and, about. Yeah, that we know about. Um, the, I mean, uh, watching the reaction to this in the conservative media sphere, I'm reminded of those people who talk about uh, handwring about how Hamas and uh, you know Palestinians in general or Iranians have a culture of celebrating death and murder. Hmm. Watching those fucking ham-faced cretins on Fox and Friends talk about what a great part in this was, was one of the most, like, stomach-turning things I've ever fucking seen. Not only that, but, like, guys like David French and the Lincoln Project, who have, you know, we've all been assured are the good Republicans and the decent conservatives because they all turned against Trump. I mean, David French wrote a whole article about how, like, I've looked into this case, and if we have to put these guys in jail for murder, then guess what? A lot of people are going to jail for murder. And it's just like, well, <laughs> you're halfway there. But yeah, like, I mean, like, yeah, like they, they were like, you know, I, I've been critical of Trump in the past about things like, um, I, I don't know, simple. I don't know. I, I can't feel I can't fill in a fucking gap here. But like, I've been critical of Trump in the past. But you know what? He did the right thing here by pardoning these mass murdering psychopaths and letting them giving them free reign and not not just pardoning them, but I think actually like restoring their like military records. So they have free reign to now come back to America and do, you know, feel, you know, let your imagination run wild of what these guys will do now with their freedom in America. Because I guarantee you that these guys do not look at the average person on the street in Baghdad very differently than they look at you or I. Their coffee is going to be great, though. That's true. Yeah, it's good. Eric, I bet they have a lot of good opinions about 5G, too. <laughs> uh, just on the topic of pardons, I would like to also shout out a one that has a personal resonance for me. Uh, Trump also pardoned um, a guy named Chris Wade. Who is, <laughs> yeah, uh, I saw that. I saw that. Uh, Congrats, I, I, my dude. From what I can tell, it's one of like a Manafort type dude who did cyber crimes on his uh, on his behalf. So uh, go, brother Chris Wade. But I also have to point out that on his last day in office, Bill Clinton also pu- uh, pardoned a guy named Chris Wade, uh, who is one of the senior <laughs> attorneys in the Whitewater scandal. So uh, rule of threes, baby. Uh, some future president will uh, pardon well, me for doing well, uh, you, crimes personally. under under <laughs> under his uh, uh, um, well, administration. The, the Chris Wade pardon is like the turkey pardon. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it will become <laughs> traditional. And then the flip side of the pardons is that they're also going all out to make sure that they feed every federal death row inmate into a giant human shredder. Well, yeah, no, yeah, getting about yeah. Uh, uh, appeals and any sort of procedure to make sure yeah. that they're they're executed before somebody else uh, prevents that from happening. And you know, like we, we we've made fun of a lot of the hand wringing about Trump and like this this insistence that you know his administration be called fascist and not just like I don't know an American Republican president. But I mean, when you when you think about, like I said, just just going out of his way to pardon these like fucking war criminals from Blackwater who were, you know, serving as mercenaries. They weren't even fucking like enlisted. They weren't even like under the flag of the United States military or our country when they fucking just slaughtered all those people at the same time, as Matt said just pushing through as fast as possible the lethal injection of like any federal death row inmate before they're out the door is nauseating and like you know i think fairly could fairly be described as like a fascist uh, like well form it, of it leadership. goes to show that he's a sicko yeah it's just, it's just, it's just a sicko because uh they were they were what what, what who were they blackwater what, what the fuck what did they do yeah they were Where, who were they with okay so they're blackwater 
No, uh, if he was a fascist, he would have did what Hitler did and, and actually bring in the brown shirts and make them and formalize them as a part of the military. What Trump is like a very neoliberal Republican does is uh, put himself in a position where we have people that we could pardon so that they have plausible deniability, but also can operate without like the authority of like, I'm again, not fascist specifically on definition base, but like, I mean, in a literary sense, it's not being pedantic. It's actually like, this is more disgusting because there's not even like theoretically, if it was U.S. military, again, theoretically, there is at least like the ostensible like ability to exercise some sort of authority over them. Them being like fucking freak mercenaries, which is precluded somewhat by fascism, like it's worse. It's horrifying. These are free agents. I mean, that's the thing. He Trump is disgusting and awful, but like the the Blackwater pardon, I mean, it has a special modern ca- character, as Amber alluded to, because it's, yeah, the heir of an uh, auto parts company who became Catholic to give himself meaning in his life, so the <laughs> war crimes company. Yeah. But uh, it's, you know, this isn't without precedent. You know, Nixon famously pardoned Cali. Yep. Um, it, like, this is just what Republicans and really American presidents do. It's part of being the custodian of empire. And there's even less and less accountability. It's even more and more secretive who does our dirty work. It's even less and less under any rubric of any kind of theoretical democratic, like, bureaucracy. It's just, it's just great. It's just great. We have lots of tons of little secret departments to do whatever the fuck we want forever. And if anyone finds out about it, we can say, well, that's technically not us. But also, I'm in a position to pardon them. Well, okay, that, 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 that brings us up to the date on the news. But I think for the second half of the show, I'd now like to uh, run it back, tenant style. Go back, got to go back in time. And I think it would, uh, you know, it would behoove us to just, just do a little reminiscing on some of the things that have happened this year and uh, if we have any, any new perspectives or, or memories to share. So uh, January 2020. Iranian General Qasim Soleimani killed by a U.S. drone strike. That was on January 3rd. Uh, he was uh, killed by a U.S. drone missile while he was visiting Baghdad as an official guest of the Iraqi government. And, you know, that one, I remember when that happened, I got scared shitless that, like, that was going to kick off, you know, World War III between us and Iran. But, it, you know, that was, uh, that, that was scary as fuck and still, you know, one of the worst things America did this year. But, uh... That no war so far, but they're, they're so insane because that was like the first time I was like, ooh, this wouldn't. I don't like. I, I wasn't like, oh shit, we're gonna go to war with Iran. But I was like, this might be bad. And now here in uh, December, I had forgot that happened this year. Yeah, it's just it's been so relentless. I'm like, wait, that was this year? Because it, okay. it it feels like five years ago. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I guess like uh, uh, there there have been no big like retaliations. Um, I mean, at least that I can think of. But uh, I mean, I, I thought that like this, the, you know, like that. There's no way Iran would just let the. I mean, they retaliated in certain ways, but I thought this was going to get a lot hotter. That's not to say it has. It's cool. No, they're off way in more rational regard. than us. As a, yeah, as exactly. A like the, the leadership of Iran um, is, is is smart and rational, at least. Um, well, they have yeah, to be. We we can yeah, afford exactly. to be insane. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember even if Iran came up during 
any of the presidential debates as like an issue or as like a potential future issue at all. Like after January, it's it really seemed to disappear as something. Well, now though it's back because they're sending a bunch of fucking yeah. Uh, planes and boats and shit to the Persian Gulf for something for for a defensive maneuver they're calling it I, yeah, I, I, I bet people are wondering what that's about yeah, but it's definitely I, I, happening I think, so they're reminding I, us like you guys forgot about Iran it's back baby I think Pompeo and all those guys like Bolton or not Bolton he's on the, but like Pompeo and, and those freaks like Elliot Abrams and the people in charge of Trump's foreign policy I think are you know like they, they, they can see like you know the, the the exit sign is rapidly approaching and before the off ramp i think they're going to try to do as much as possible to provoke a war or provoke some something to make sure that the biden administration has their hands tied as it as it you know regards iran um, they did help they did help israel assassinate that scientist yeah there have been all kinds of explosions and fires and you know scientists turning up dead and and, and israel's pretty much bragging about that and also they can brag because they have their new their newfound official diplomatic ally saudi arabia has finally brought peace to the middle east in the form of you know you never thought it would happen israel and saudi arabia two of the shittiest countries in the world joining hands together officially recognizing that it's time for peace in the middle east and by that i mean um just a united access uh, against Iran and Hezbollah, basically. I assumed they were like launching a new energy drink together or something. Looking forward to Jared Kushner getting that Nobel Peace Prize next year. Okay, moving on. Uh, here he goes. Uh, Duke and Duchess of Sussex stepped down as senior royals. That is uh, ha- uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle stepped down from their duties to the royal family and be- would become financially independent, splitting their time between the UK and North America. So uh, good luck to them on their new reality series, uh, but bad form and bad class for not wearing the poppy and giving the cold shoulder to our beautiful Queen Elizabeth. Absolute uh, I, shambles. Absolute shambles. I mean, they, 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 shit, they're the only ones who actually did Brexit, England. Um, <laughs> uh, well, what I'll say about this is apparently, I mean, like they have been given the absolute high hat by Buckingham Palace and they have been like Queen Elizabeth is apparently furious at them for all the damage that they've done to the, you know, prestige of the royal family. Uh, that is way more, that is way angrier than she got at her son, Prince Andrew, for appearing in a television interview where he attempted to explain why, how, why he spent several weeks at Jeffrey Epstein's New York City apartment, like, shortly after his relief, release from prison for, I don't know, what is it, statutory rape or whatever. Um, and then, yeah, in the, in the TV interview, uh, claiming that... Um, he couldn't have been with the woman in question because he has a medical condition that makes it impossible for him to sweat. Yeah, <laughs> which is the most realistic part of his alibi. Those people are very inbred. I bet they have all kinds of like weird medical details about them. Uh, I have to say to Harry and Megan that they need to watch their backs because they are trying to muscle in on the podcast space. They just released the first episode <sighs> of their uh, Chris, their holiday podcast featuring Elton John, James Corden, Deepak Chopra, and Stacey Abrams. Oh, good Lord. That sounds good. That, I might have to listen to that and report back. That sounds like a Felix joke, first of all, but I don't think I've ever seen anything with James Corden in it, but I think I hate him. And he's I have terrible. no idea who he. I think I'm like vile. I really He's hate a simpering him. monstrosity. He is a as a catastrophe of. A, he's just a gross, shambling, talentless. Min, he is the he is he is the United Kingdom in human form. He's the worst. <laughs> yeah, he's the worst thing you could be, which is like a soy Anglo. Yeah. Oof. Yes, that yeah, is yeah. it. That is why I hate yeah. him. Because 
Anytime yeah, I've ever seen a picture of him, he's making the soy face. But let's get to the big story of the year. Uh, in January, the World Health Organization announces the novel coronavirus. On January 9th, they first announced news about new virus the deadly- dropping. The new virus drop. And by January 21st, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention confirmed the United States' first case. That was back in January 21st of this year. I believe we were in Iowa at the time or New, new Hampshire. Hampshire? I forget. It's real early. Uh, we were out, yeah, we were out on the road. But here we are. It's December 30th now. A full year of, the, of, of this. And as far as America is concerned, it has never been worse. Like, like, it, like, the, yeah. like the, the fucking the infection rates are fucking going up, up, up. And we are getting to the point that people were fucking terrified would happen of like, you know, our healthcare system is getting close to breaking at this point. And like and like not only has it not is it still here, not only has it not gotten better a year later, it's like dr- dramatically worse than it was even at like the height of like what we thought the worst of it would be in March or April, which is really fucking depressing. Really, yeah. and the cool really, thing really about really it depressing. is that looking at other countries with far fewer resources, you realize how unnecessary it was. Like that, that part rules. Uh, and you just know that they're going to be like, "Look, our hands are tied, and no one, um, no one exhibited personal responsibility, and that's why you're all sick and dying." And it's like, okay, well, look at these like little countries that have done a, such a better job than we have with no <laughs> fucking money i'm pretty sure the entire nation of vietnam has had like seven deaths from coronavirus i um i think i think we're now in this country like one in one thousand people have died of coronavirus apparently we're hit we're at thirty three hundred thousand dead people now i uh i was thinking about all the stuff we memory hold at the beginning of corona like in january february when we were first learning about this concept like when it was like it briefly became like a culture war issue where it's like you were racist if you even were afraid of it. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, there were so many. Wait, what, was the, what was the what was the reasoning behind that? There were so many. It was like it just anti-China fearmongering. Because- oh yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, it didn't really catch on though. I would think that it would be that it would have had more Q traction than it did, but it, I guess it's just not as sexy like making a, a disease in a lab. It always feels very half-assed and forced whenever like Trump calls it like the China virus. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there was from like the liberal interventionist side, there was, you know, that them doing that very Fareed Zakaria thing where they're like, oh, this virus is only happening because China is so bad and they're the only state that lies. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Or it's so bad in China because like authoritarian governments can't respond effectively to big, big crises. Yeah, yeah. yeah Looks amazing. like you're wrong about that one, Chief. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing how like uh, yeah, that's it's somehow they they're incredibly authoritarian but have no control over society. All right. Well, here's the uh, here, here's the next big news story from this year, which is hilarious to read now and remember that this happened and that like literally nobody gives a fuck or remembers this shit at all. Uh, Trump was impeached. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, yeah. you, guys are, you guys remember that? No, no, that and Tony Bubulansky have been the biggest <laughs> stories of this year. Those have both been. Oh yeah, massive. Tony, ba- Tony Babaduco. Tony Babaduk. I mean, I'd like to re- to try to think back to remember all the ins and outs of Trump's impeachment part- impeachment trial is so fucking funny. What a fucking waste of time that was. Just, like no, I, I didn't even remember that that happened until I read that. The whole time, I'm like, okay, go ahead, do it. Who cares? It's not going to do anything. 
This it's, is a, this a theater. No, that's why he lost. It was <laughs> uh, there were forty million Lev Parnas voters. <laughs> we all remember the thing that Lev Parnas did, right? When he made the phone call to the like DA of Ukraine and was like, uh, "Don't give Lev Parnas uh, uh, your credit card," and then they did. Just trying to remember big- all the names and figures associated with this. It's just. The Ukraine call, the perfect phone call. Remember that? Oh, yeah. yeah. The perfect uh, phone call. Simpson, Glenn Simpson, Fusion GPS, uh, <laughs> Carter Page. No, all of that. All of that. All, all your favorite hits. I mean, uh, just like uh, the, the one, the last thing I'll say about Trump's impeachment is that it does play into a prediction I have for 2021 and the coming years, which is that at some point in his first term, Biden will absolutely be impeached by the Republicans for something. After they after they sweep uh, Congress in twenty twenty two, yes, in the second in the second half of his term, he will be impeached. It would be funny if he doesn't get impeached for like Lev Parnas stuff. Like you could probably impeach him for China or Ukraine stuff, but like it would be funny if like yeah, they impeached him for like getting rid of his motor oil the wrong way yeah. or like putting putting his mouth under the soft serve machine. <laughs> I do like the emergence of Ukraine as this perennial thing that like eventually every president in their the second half of their first term will just be impeached for quote doing Ukraine. Yeah. 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 Nobody nobody will know quite what it means, but they did some Ukraine and they got to go for it. I agree with that though. If you have a phone call with a Ukrainian person, you are not qualified <laughs> to be president. <laughs> If you know any of them well enough to like know three proper Ukrainian nouns, no, yeah, you're unfit for this office. Moving on to February here, uh, here's the here's the headline: the Iowa caucus was kind of a meltdown. I mean, you guys remember this, of course. We were there; we saw it all firsthand, right in front of our eyes. And yeah. that makes it know, sound like a wacky Jerry Lewis movie. Yeah, I mean, this was—I thought this was one of our finest moments this year. Is that I think we were basically the only uh, media outlet with of any uh, significant note who uh, said in real time as it was happening, um, "This is people to judge did not win the Iowa caucus." Well, I think I sent this to you, but there was a Politico article uh, on the 12th of December that basically ran down through and was like, Oh yeah, that entire thing was exactly and directly the fault and product of the DNC and the, and the shadow app company that they were all yes. fucking like investors. Yeah, that They're all investors in or married to the CEO of. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that was, that was, a, that was a proud moment for me this year. Um, just, well also just being in Iowa and New Hampshire and all the, all the campaigning we did. Uh, let's see here. Uh, oh, it was a leap year this year as well. Um, oh, pandemic God. triggers global recession. Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson diagnosed with COVID-19. Uh, NBA suspends season. Olympics are postponed. I mean, it just, I mean, it's true. Like, it, just this year, like, it, it, you know, what, those early stories, just that we don't remember them at all because it's like it happened in a different fucking planet. But, I mean, the only two stories this year are COVID, the pandemic, and the presidential election. I mean, like, those just really, and, you know, and then neither of those things resolved in any way, shape or form. I mean, I suppose Joe Biden's going to be the next president, but cold comfort Definitely, here. I mean, yeah. it's just it's just the, the, there's no resolution to the coronavirus story. That's for sure. Um, and then in April, of course, Sanders drops out of the presidential race. I mean, what a bummer. We all know how we feel about that one. Uh, but also, again. Once again, I don't expect him to fucking carry the fucking bobsled. Well, I mean, yeah, like it's just, you know, we, we, we all know how we felt about that. It left us all feeling a very uh, a bit bereft. But I mean, I think we have to, uh, you know, 
just just be honest about uh, uh, taking that L, and also honest that like I that absent that like that was our shot probably, and that, like you know failing that I don't know what the solution is at this point. I mean, and like and I guess like the only thing that, that what mattered about uh, the Bernie Sanders campaign was that it had real stakes and it was like a, a, a real movement of like millions of people being involved and engaged with something that, you know, maybe looking back on it now seems like a, a rather naive hope, but there were real stakes involved with it. And, um, the, the, the loss of it, you know, still does feel, does feel better to me. I mean, I will just say on a personal note that that is the most in the tent on a political project that I have felt in my life. And I think that that was, you know, the power that we were all feeling is like everywhere we went, whether people knew us or not, that, you know, we were all working towards something together in a very real way that involved like doing things in the world, going places, talking to people. Uh, and there was a particular power to that, uh, that I think is important to, to keep and remember and try to find ways to replicate with the same people that you were with when you were there. I mean, I I just look back on it now as like the uh, the fucking the fear and loathing in Las Vegas bit about like the high water mark and like you know if you're in a hotel in in Des Moines or Manchester and looking out the window at night you can maybe still see the high water mark, um, but yeah like I don't I don't yeah I, I mean yeah it's it's sad I will say there was one period when we were uh, doing our little whistle stuff thing where uh, I was so sick because of like stress and everything the stress though the cold comfort is that the stress of being uh close to power or actually having a window of opportunity is no longer there and now i can relax and do episodes on uh wonder woman until another opportunity presents itself and i'm shitting blood again but i mean ultimately i we did what we were supposed to do in the moment, and if you're listening to this, you probably did too. You know, show me someone with uh, no great failures, and I'll show you someone who never had any great ambitions. It it sucks. Uh, I, uh, I I wish we had won, but I'm a lifer, so, you know, next opportunity comes around, I'll be shitting blood again. And when I think about, and when I think back to the, the that time, and particularly our tour, I mean, I'm more struck by anything was just like the, the last time we could travel anywhere or see people or have fun. And, you know, like what, what I do, what I do hold very dear is, all, you know, all the people we got to, to meet and party with and just like who contributed and just traveling around, uh, just the, being in Vegas, being in L.A., being in San Francisco, Sacramento. I mean, just like seeing all our friends, uh, being on the road. It, it really was a blast and, uh, you know, and sharing it with my uh, my good friends and co-hosts. So I hold that to me uh, very dearly, especially given how the year turned out where, you know, as soon as the tour over, we were basically just locked inside our houses until now with no uh, no light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> so I, yeah. I, I keep I keep that very close to me. And then as we got into the summer, basically all the news stories became about Ahmad Aubrey, George Floyd. Um, uh, just, uh, Richard, Richard Brooks, um, the officer, uh, who killed Breonna Taylor being fired, but, you know, eventually I think acquitted of killing her. I mean, that became the news story of the summer was all of the protests. And I mean, just to go back and think of that, I would just like to share this one video, which, I mean, I don't want to say there's anything, uh, funny to come out of, uh, this summer's, uh, police, pro anti-police protests or the police killings of people. 
but I do cherish this memory of 2020 as probably one of the best things that happened this year. So roll that. So this record is in honor of George Floyd. (laughs) And I really hope we can see more unity and more peace when already things are so difficult. So shout out to his family. For the drop. So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, <laughs> I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream. I have yes, a dream. Yes, that was, uh, what's his name? Uh, Dave, David Guetta. David Guetta. David Guetta. I think uh, Felix described that clip when it first happened as the most European thing ever. And I, yeah, like, seriously, I, like, I, I will probably remember until the day I die just him saying, shout out to his family. And that just, is, yeah, what is a European? It's that. The Martin Luther King speech is part of the song. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, my. It's that's, so. That's the European, influ- uh, the European Union's influence. Yeah. The leather jacket that probably costs like $30,000. Yeah. It's perfect. And he's like doing this DJ set on top of the fucking Empire State Building. And like the, the, this, this, this is the response here. You know, I mean, I, I you know, I mean, I know it's, I, it's well-meaning, you know. I, he, he wanted to do something nice. He wanted to do something. Um, you know what? Intention, intentions, intentions do matter. And I believe that he had a pure Swedish heart when he did this. Yeah. Shout out to his family. Just one more thing about the protests. I mean, not to um, get too cynical or uh, sincere about it, but being out there in the streets in this protest was another moment in this year where it was like, maybe something is happening that we can like all be a part of. And just when we were watching that Dick Durbin clip, it was just feeling very depressed that it seems like at this point one of the largest ramifications from it is dick durbin be getting being able to get on the senate floor and be like you know what's an issue we really need to take care of is the names of army bases for the sake of racial justice yeah and that's why we must pass this defense appropriation bill to get the yeah i mean these confederate names off these bases i mean like yeah like looking back at, at this year it just does seem like like a, the the constant through line is like the, these these big moments or things that feel like oh like this is something and then here on December 30th, looking back at them now, it just really just all seems like nothing happened. It's just more fucking, it's just, there's no resolution. It's just like the grinding fucking on at best. The way it at rolled best. back. Yeah. All over and over and over again, it rolled back. Uh, going on here, uh, Biden picks his running mate. It's Kamala Harris. Biden gets the nomination. Um, then there was another police shooting and then uh, a reaction to the police shooting and that what Kyle Rittenhouse guy killed a bunch of protesters. That's just still going on. Um, Chadwick Boseman died at the age of 43. That was a sad story. I mean, I know we've made fun of Black Panther relentlessly on that show, on this show, but um, that story sucked. I mean, it was just, yeah, he was like, he was only 43 years old. And, you know, despite being in a, a bad movie, I mean, it seemed like he had a lot more to to offer the world, and it was just nobody knew that he had cancer, and that was a that sucks. Yeah, surpri- surprise death is a, is a real bummer, even when it's someone you've never like heard of. You're like, oh man, cancer. Forgot about that one. 
Uh, and also, speaking of dead people, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies at the age oh. of 87 back in September. Back in Who September. Who could have seen that? See, this is what yeah. I'm talking about. With surprise death. It's just like we had no idea that she was. <laughs> I mean, uh, who could have seen it coming? The 87 year old woman who's almost died 30 times. Uh, and then speaking of the, people, the who, time, the pure timing of that was just like so absolute dark comedy gold. It, it could not like for the the stupidest possible outcome of her career and her decisions, and and you know. I mean, obviously, the, the hypocrisy is to be assumed, but the like the the abyss, the setup to like ram through uh, another Supreme Court justice in the most hilarious ha- ham-handed fashion, yeah. just all all perfect. Uh, and then uh, going moving on from people who did die to people who didn't die, uh, Donald Trump and Melania test positive for COVID. Do you guys remember that? That was that oh, was that was a, that, that was, was a so fun, fun moment. That was so that was fun. Of, that was probably the most fun for like. 72 hour period i couldn't enjoy that one because i'm like because of my my donald trump medical theory where i'm like uh, i think he's unkillable the things that kill i, mean, I didn't really think he was going to die but it was still hilarious i mean like he goes to the hospital he waves to the people they did the weird like green screen video with his mouth moving and he's calling into fox news sounding like he's on a ventilator it was just it was good the thing i enjoyed the most the most was uh his incredibly ugly luxury hospital uh room suite that looked like uh you know the den of the richest man in duluth I I mean, when that story happened, obviously it was hilarious because like there's one person on the planet who fucking deserves to get COVID. It's Donald Trump and his immediate family and everyone around him. Um, But yeah, just the whole like the White House becoming like a super spreader event. It was very funny. But like once again, we just weren't pessimistic enough because none of those assholes died. None of them even got on a fucking ventilator. And I think if anything, Trump just getting shot up with like the super soldier serum or whatever probably did more than anything to convince Americans going into this winter that COVID's not that big a deal. Because if that fucking bag of suet can get it and then just like walk out of the hospital fine, then I like I said, I, I think it, I think it probably did more than anything to convince people that like it's COVID's not a big deal. Uh, didn't a Republican politician finally oh, yeah. died of this yeah, yeah no, like, he was, and he, he was, was like 40 elect. he was not he didn't he wasn't even sworn yeah, he was in. about to you be don't seated. get the adrenochrome until you do the <laughs> <all-act> ceremony <laughs> under the rotunda after yeah. he's sworn in his timing was shitty yeah yeah but that guy was only 40 though so that's um I, that's odd considering that chris christie and like rudy giuliani have it and, like, yeah they, they went through the moloch ceremony they yeah, get right. this, the magic stuff they they admitted it with with Christie. They gave him some like experimental cocktail that costs half a million dollars. You only get that if you have been in, in, in inducted. Yeah, if you've been like blessed I, by the he owl. Took, he got the COVID too early. So moving on, uh, of course, election day. We all know how that turned out. Joe Biden, after you know a little bit of uh, a little little bit of back and forth, um, was named president elect. Uh, we shall see how that turns out, uh, especially now that what's his name, Josh, Josh Hawley has said that he will bring before, uh, bring to the floor of the Senate a you know uh, uh, something about the certification of Joe Biden. He's just showing out for 2024. It means absolutely nothing, and that asshole is going to finish like six in the Iowa caucus yeah. if he even gets there at all. Um, but yeah, like uh, that was that's how the year ended up. Um, the election happened, and then all of the funny shit that happened after the election, where like basically a third of the country thinks that the election didn't happen or that uh, they should get a do-over. And I think basically that's where we're left going into 
January 2021, looking forward to the Biden inauguration and just the near certainty, not the near certainty, the absolute certainty that um, things will only continue to get worse. Do you guys imagine that that uh, that delusion that the election was stolen will have any practical ramifications in the Biden administration or will it just be uh, people screaming online and in media? I don't think anyone has any like vehicle for any kind of power anyway. So like it's just they're doing the same thing that we are. They're screaming online. No one can do I, anything. I think the practical ramification will be uh, motivation for the uh, Republican turnout in the midterm elections. Yeah, they will. They will win back the House for sure. You can already put that one out there. Well, uh, there we go. I mean, I think that uh, not comprehensively, but uh, does recreate the feeling of living through this year again, which I got to say uh, kind of sucked. So. Probably should have done that on the show. Take it out and plug it back in again. <laughs> well, this is our this is our our last our last episode of 2020. Um, I really do uh, wish all of you, our listeners, a better 2021. I mean, in 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 in, in ways both big and small. This this year has sucked for everyone, and you know, I know that is a cliche to say, and we make fun of it, and it does seem corny, but to varying degrees, every single person out there has experienced some loss some depression some it just has 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 gotten through a extraordinarily shitty year and i i do hope that 2021 will be better uh we will be here and my only advice uh for you in the new year sincerely is no matter what happens if this year has taught us anything it is that you should uh hew closely to those in your life who you love and who love you because um I, you know, we don't, we none, none of us can know what will happen. We are, in some degrees, authors of our own future. But no matter what happens, just I think to be with your friends, be with your family, be with your loved ones, your children, your pets, just um, the, the people in your life that make your life worth living, that, that make you a human being, is I really think um, something to be celebrated and something to be uh, cherished, perhaps more dearly than you did before this year happened. It's the only way to get through it. Yeah, uh, it was a shitty year. Um, New Year's, yes, it is arbitrary. I don't know. But it is important to do these things. Arbitrary rituals are important. Because having a clear end to something and a clear beginning to something, even if it's kind of bullshit and cosmic and made up, is good for you. Because it lets you clean out all the shit and at least believe that you're starting from scratch. Obviously you aren't, but sometimes you need to trick yourself into believing that to keep going. Uh, I love New Year's. It's my favorite fucking holiday. Um, I'll be I'll be missing my homies uh, this 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 New Year's, um, but it's fucking great, and it gives you an opportunity to be like maybe this time will be better. As insane as that sounds, and you should let yourself think that. If you're going to, like, keep going, you have to sometimes develop a little bit of learned amnesia where you forget that actually it's not getting better, and it hasn't. And, uh, I don't know, fucking enjoy yourself if you possibly can. Like, if you possibly can manage it. It's your duty. Have a good new year. And uh, I will say one last thing before we uh, leave you until 2021. Uh, Looking back on this year, and particularly the beginning of the year, uh, I, I do genuinely believe that the the time I, I shared with all of my friends and co-hosts and the Chapo Trap House family, everything we did together this year, whether it was over a Zoom call or whether we were, you know, crammed into a van or a hotel room or just, you know, 
uh, on the road together, I will, I will, no matter what happens in the future, look back at those times as among the funnest and most genuinely rewarding of my life. And I, I extend that to you uh, to the extent that we could share it with you, our lovely listeners. Uh, I would like to, on behalf of myself and Chapo Trap House, wish you a happy new year and all of my best wishes for a better one. Look at him next time. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.